Welcome, everyone, to the Farm CPA podcast presented by Top Producer. I am your host, Paul Niefer, and today we're going to have a conversation with Brenda Hamer from somewhere in Texas. I think, if my memory's right, maybe close to Lubbock, but I'm probably wrong. So fill me in, uh, Brenda, where are you at in Texas right now? Uh, I live in Amarillo. Which Amarillo. Is- so I was, you know, that's that's probably fighting words uh, for people from Amarillo to be accused that they live in uh, Lubbock. No, it's it's not so bad. Not so bad. Lubbock's a great place. Well, did you live in Happy for a while? I did. The town of Battle Frown, just south of here. Yeah, yeah. There's a Happy Texas for the people on the podcast. They may not have known that there's a Happy Texas and there's a bank. I think isn't it called Happy State Bank? Yeah, it, it's a pretty large bank. Um, all over Texas now, I believe there's even some branches in San Antonio, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. okay. So it's, it's gotten pretty large. Well, Brenda, I've been looking forward to this because you and I joined, well, you joined the Farm Financial Standards Council, I think a few years before I did. Uh, I know I've been a member since I think 2011. Uh, I think that's when I joined was 2011, but uh, uh, we'll definitely talk about uh, uh, farm accrual accounting, and I know the audience thinks that's a very sexy topic, but we'll try to make it uh, fairly interesting for the for the audience. But uh, why don't we start off with your background? Okay, well, um, I went to school at Texas A&M University in Texas, and, um, you know, I, I never once considered going accounting and uh, growing up to be an accountant because it just sounded like so much fun. So (laughs) uh, I got my undergraduate in ag economics and got out of school and worked for about five years and then um, decided I needed to go back to accomplish what I wanted to accomplish and that was to work with ag producers. So the entire reason I went back to school to uh, get the remaining hours I needed to sit for the CPA exam was specifically to work with ag producers. Okay, okay. And primarily in Texas or all over the country or, well, maybe I'm getting a little ahead of myself. I'll let you keep going. Uh, Yeah, no, it's all over the country. In fact, um, most of my clients are out out of state right now. I just work for them remotely. So, um, you know, technology today, it just lets you do so much. So, there's, there really hasn't been a problem other than, you know, maybe not being on on the farm or on the ranch and being able to see what's actually happening. Sometimes there's, you know, some breakdown of communication just just because you're not there. But for the most part, everything works pretty well. Okay. So you went back, you got your hours to sit for the CPA exam, and then what what happened after that? Well, um, so just prior to that, I was working for Texas AgriLife Extension, and um, that's when I started working with producers and realized that that's, that's what I wanted to do. So um, after the, the first stint with AgriLife, I went to work for Tyson Foods, um, did some, some accounting there, and I was already back in school at that point. Um, after I graduated, I went back to AgriLife Extension and worked on a, pro, a program called Tomorrow's Top Ag Producer, which was really interesting. I got to uh, teach the management accounting with that program. Uh, shortly thereafter, I went to New Mexico to work in a public accounting firm. 
again, doing doing the same thing I was doing before. It was a management accounting always. Um, I never did the typical tax or audit or anything like that that most accountants do. Um, so um, from there, from New Mexico, I came back to the Texas Panhandle, um, worked for a feed yard. Then I worked for a really large uh, farming operation in Dalhart, um, which is up in the northern Texas Panhandle. Um, then I was recruited to a larger feed yard in Kansas. And um, then I met my husband and moved back to Texas and decided to finally do what I set out to do, you know, over 20 years ago, and that's to have my own business and to work directly with farmers and ranchers and try to help them bridge the gap um, between the accounting services that they typically get and, and what I feel they need to manage their business. Yeah, so let's let's expand on that a little bit. So um, a lot of farmers out there are using, you know, I'm going to call it the cash method of accounting. They're, they're recording expenses as they're paid. They're recording revenues as they're received. They're not recording any type of inventories. They're not recording receivables. They're not recording payables. So in your role, are you then helping that farmer bridge that gap that they might have up to a true set of accrual basis accounting records? Or are you more over on the managerial accounting side? I'm I'm just curious. Let's let's expand on on what you are doing to help the farmer. So so the first thing I do is just help them set up their system. So um, you know rather than say those words accrual and um, you know payables and receivables, I just like to bring it down to the matching principle. In order to um, evaluate a perform the performance of an enterprise. You've got to match the revenue received with the inputs that actually produced that revenue. And I think when you start explaining it like that to folks, it kind of paints a little bit of a different picture. Yeah. So uh, most farmers and ranchers are diversified. They have several enterprises and it's really difficult for them to be able to segregate um, the costs associated with a particular crop year, especially when those inputs span usually over a calendar year, which kind of blows that cash basis of accounting out of the water, you know, you're going to carry over your cost of your inputs and also trying to allocate, you know, those those inputs that aren't, aren't just directly charged, something like, you know, um, labor or utilities or, you know, accounting fees or what, what have you that's really kind of difficult to find a good solid basis to allocate those overhead type costs. So I just start with helping them to design the system for that purpose first, because the purpose of um, getting cash accounting to the tax accountant and loan documentation to the loan officer is pretty easy once you get the management accounting kind of squared away. That to me has always been the most difficult part. Yep. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, uh, you know, for a lot of our listeners on here, they're probably what I call corn and soybean farmers, um, they have a sort of a two-year cycle, could be maybe, well, potentially have a three-year cycle because they're doing prepaids in 2022, they're planting and harvesting their crop in 2023, and then they're selling their crop in 2024. So it's really a three, it, it goes into three calendar years. And for some 
farm operations, it could easily be four or five calendar years. So, so you're right, the typical calendar year cash basis financial statement really isn't going to tell that farmer what they made or lost for that uh, particular crop year. Right, right. And not just for the crop year, but also then to see the performance of just the individual enterprise, be it corn or soybeans, or especially with cattle, when you're maybe retaining those calves through different phases of production, you're not yep. selling that calf maybe at weaning. So, um, you know, it's sometimes it, it, it can get difficult to segregate those costs. And um, it, it, the good news is there's, there is definitely a way to get that. Um, it's not easy, <laughs> but it can certainly be done. And once the system is set up and people are trained how to use it appropriately, it really actually flows pretty well from there. And are, like I said, to get information to the tax accountant or to the lender is pretty simple from that. Are you trying to um, use one particular set of software or does it depend on maybe what they have and you're customizing it to what they have? Or I'm just curious what, what type of software that you're typically are seeing in those operations? Well, my preference is Centerpoint by Redwing. Um, yeah. It was designed specifically for agriculture producers and agriculture in general. Um, and it has plenty of fields to hold the data that you need to be able to segregate it properly. Also, it has some distribution features and some allocation features. It's, it's got some great reporting features. Um, nothing is perfect, but that is definitely the software I choose. Um, I used to teach the management accounting using QuickBooks or QuickBooks Online. And you can kind of get there, but you you really have to do yeah. a lot of manual work to make that happen. And, and I do it, not don't. Yeah, it's it. <laughs> it's it's a struggle. And and I don't know about you, but I, I'm really not a huge fan of QuickBooks Online. I know they've tried to make it a little bit better, but I know eventually they're probably going to eliminate the desktop version or stop supporting it and push you over to the online version. But it's just in my opinion, awkward. I don't know what your thoughts on online versus desktop for QuickBooks is or not. Um, you know, I, I teach a, a course at the King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management, and we, we use QuickBooks Online down there. And, um, you know, there's some things that are better about it, but you can't, I mean, you can't toggle between reports. You can't, um, obviously, can't hold multiple companies in one file. I mean, there's just so many limitations. I think that um, the folks at QuickBooks have just tried to simplify it and make it so user-friendly that they've taken the power away. Right. So, you know, and to that end, CenterPoint, on, on the other hand, does have power, so therefore it is more, more complex to use, and you want to make sure to have it set up properly and understand how to use it, you know, before you launch into, it's, it's just, it's not as easy to set up and just run with, but it certainly has more power. Yeah, and then once you get it set up properly, get used to it, it should be relatively easy at that point to use. Sure, absolutely it is. I mean, anything, you can do anything if you have your set of procedures. Um, one of the companies I worked for, Agrivision Farm Management up there in Dalhart, um, they were real big on SOPs and, and procedures. And, you know, at first you kind of want to grumble about it, but after you realize how easy it is, because of those SOPs, I start realizing that I think every operation needs a set of SOPs and they need to constantly be 
um, revived and, and updated. I'm just a firm believer from now on that SOPs are extremely important. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, I think for a lot of farm operations, understanding what their true cost, let's say machinery is so often that machinery cost just sort of gets buried inside the financial statement. It's not really broken out as a cost center that you can sort of say, hey, really this uh, machinery is costing us 200 bucks an acre, $100 an acre, $50 an acre. Is that really the appropriate amount that we should be spending on our equipment? Exactly. That That is a really good point, Paul. Um, and we just have to get to that level of detail because the margins in agriculture demand demand that type of analysis. Now, I had mentioned at the beginning the Farm Financial Standards Council. For our listeners out there, why don't you just briefly explain what the Farm Financial Standards Council is? Farm Financial Standards Council is a group of professionals that came together, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was the early 80s. Um, and basically, they realized the need for a, a unified set of standards specifically for agriculture. So, um, you know, GAP is the overall prescribed uh, standard that we're supposed to adhere to for our accounting procedures. But it also says where the information is better represented to the reader, you can modify those standards as long as there's precedent. So, um, you know, this group comes together and they, they set the standards for agriculture. And there's two guidelines. There's the financial guidelines and there's the management guidelines. And um, they're lengthy, but they are very detailed and they cover all topics. I mean, our technical committee um, just really is on top of any changes and they update those those guidelines and keep them fresh. And I mean, you want to talk about a, a group of highly intelligent individuals. <laughs> I remember when I first went to the meetings, I was I was pretty young and I was extremely intimidated. So um, <laughs> lots of wonderful minds in that group. Now, now you're yeah, you're the one that's intimidating everybody. No, I don't think so. <laughs> And so we have an annual, the Farm Financial Standards uh, has an annual meeting, usually typically always the last week in July, although when we had our meeting in uh, Wyoming a few years back, we did it in conjunction with the local rodeo, and that was fun. Um, matter of fact, I, it's going to be tough to beat that place where we met in Wyoming, I, I think, Brenda. Would you agree with that? Oh, uh, 100%. That was just you know, amazing the views. But I will have to say when you hosted the meeting in Washington, that also ranks very high on my list. We got if, to, I, I have seen so many places that I never would get to see, what, you know, had it not been for these council meetings. But when we went to your neck of the woods, we, you know, got to see the, how the wheat was harvested on the flues and right in some of those modified combines, you know, on that, what was it, a 45 degree slope, I believe? Yeah, that was, that was, there was, uh, uh, in that field, there was a couple of those draws that would easily have been a 45 degree slope, so, um, or percent, I always, I always get it, I can't remember if it's degree or percent, I think it's degree, um, but yeah, they're fairly steep, uh, matter of fact, I remember Mike Wilson was trying to take pictures and he fell down <laughs> two or three times because he couldn't quite get his footing, but uh, that, that was, that was a good part of the that country. 
But uh, and for those that are interested, it's very easy to get a copy of those uh, guidelines. Uh, I can't remember. I don't think they're free, but they're close to free. Uh, you just go to FFSC, so Frank Frank Sam Charlie dot org, not not com, but dot org. So FFSC dot org. So I would highly suggest anybody that's listening on the uh, on the podcast and you want to learn what some of the standards are. And again, Brenda says we sort of start with GAP, but we also will explain when other methods that might be more practical, uh, but still follow GAP, but they're a little bit, I'm going to call them GAP light or a little bit lighter or easier than GAP. Uh, we go through those principles for everybody. Right, right. And there also is the um, implementation guide now too, that is sort of like the Cliffs Notes. Um, there's a lot of material to get through. So the implementation guide just kind of summarizes things and um, makes it a little more uh, easy, a little easier to read. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it can be, uh, you know, for us uh, tax and gap nerds, it can be exciting for us. But for uh, I think for some farmers, they oh, I do I really have to know this? Well, it's really more of a of a, a manual or a guideline or a a reference material that allows you, hey, how do we account for this? And, you know, in the in the material, we have a set of financial statements. Uh, we also have a guidelines on managerial accounting, which we'll probably cover here a little bit after our break. Uh, but I, I just would highly recommend it for anybody that wants to make their financial information better, uh, more accurate, much more easier to use as a benchmarking. Uh, remember, I, I think, Brenda, you would agree, benchmarking yourself is much more important than trying to benchmarking yourself against another farm operation. Yes, yes. It, well, and that's a good point. I think that was another one of the reasons this group came together was not only to standardize um, accounting procedures, but then to be able to benchmark the industry. But, you know, that, that still is very tough, and I agree completely. You, you really have to compare yourself to yourself just to see the the changes over time just to trend those lines i yeah i i just i know in some segments of ag industry such as dairy uh you know there is a little bit better benchmarking out there um and and i think that's true just due to the fact that most dairy operations are larger they typically have i'm going to say more sophisticated accounting systems because they need to know their numbers down to the nearest cent per hundred weight on all their costs. Whereas with most row crop operations, such as corn, soybeans, wheat, barley, rice, whatever it might be, it's it your cycle is a one year, well, it's a two or three year cycle. Uh, whereas with dairy, it's a daily cycle. So uh, um, it's just, just a little bit difference there. That's a real good point. Well, I think, Brenda, we'll go ahead and take a quick break for a sponsor message and we'll come back and we'll get we'll dive a little bit deeper into uh, uh, farm accounting. OK, sounds good. How many years away is the long run for a farmer? Five years? Ten years? Top producers like Hans Reinchi of Blue Diamond Farming Company in Jessup, Iowa, know RoboAgri Finance shares his enduring vision for the future. Whether it's I'm building our grain site, 
or if it's purchasing the next field, we're able to turn to Rabo as a trusted partner to help us get financing to make those generational decisions. With unmatched financial capacity, local relationship managers, and a global network of sector experts to offer market guidance, Rabo Agri Finance provides enterprising farmers with a personalized approach to lending and financial services. Growing a better world together, Rabo Agri Finance. everyone to the Farm CPA podcast presented by Top Producer. I am Paul Nefer, your host, and we're going to rejoin, rejoin our conversation with Brenda Hamer from Amarillo, Texas. Um, Brenda, if we've sort of talked over why we think, um, and I don't want to use accrual accounting, I'm going to use accounting to match up your revenue and your expenses, sort of like what you're talking about. Um, how should a farm operation sort of get started on that? Is there some tips that we can give them as far as maybe the best uh, hints as far as getting started? Well, I would say that the very first step is to, to decide if you truly want to manage or are you, just, are you just doing the accounting for your taxes and for your lender? So you gotta first make that decision. Are you ready to actually manage your financials? Um, the next thing, obviously, is to, to choose software that is compatible with what you want to accomplish. Um, I know a lot of people are stuck on QuickBooks because that's what their tax accountant uses. Um, and I, I completely understand they don't have a staff. They don't have an accounting staff to take care of everything. And so, you know, their, their tax accountant says this is all we use and we're not going to, you know, use what you want to use. However, I would just encourage people to uh, be in the driver's seat. Um, you know, first select that software that is going to help you accomplish what you what you need to manage your business. Um, we we talked about the differences between CenterPoint and and QuickBooks, so I won't go into that too much. But mainly, you need to select your software such that it has multiple fields that you can hold pieces of data. Um, you know, QuickBooks only has, you know, the class feature and maybe a project feature, but, um, you know, CenterPoint has several other fields that you can hold information. Another thing about CenterPoint, and I hate to make this a commercial, but um, you can also hold quantities and production information in CenterPoint, as well as simultaneously doing cash and accrual accounting. So you can drop it down to the income statement for cash purposes to take to your tax accountant. And then, you know, for your management purposes, it stays as a work in process on the balance sheet. So there's huge differences there. Um, and obviously, like I said, um, make sure that you understand the setup, you understand, you know, what your, the design of the system to provide you what you need. Were you about to say something? No, 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 go ahead. And and I would say the last thing is just to start simple. Um, try to lay the foundation in a way that you can grow to more complexity like later. But I see a lot of people trying to get too detailed too fast. So fry the big fish first and um, start on a larger level. Um, 
and then just build down to more detail later. But you have to have the foundation there to make sure that you can still grow to that detail. Yeah, I think it's extremely critical that you really spend the time on that foundation. You know, what are you trying to accomplish? Um, what are the key details? What are the key things that you really want to learn? You sort of mentioned that early on. And it, it's sort of like the old maxim, you know, you got to crawl before you walk. You got to walk before you run. Don't try to run at the beginning. You know, you want to do the little baby steps to understand, hey, here's what we're doing. We're going to get comfortable with that. And then let's go on to the next steps. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was trying to say. And, and you sort of, we're starting more at the accounting level in a way. Now, if we want to get down into maybe more what you focus on, which is managerial accounting, what what are the steps there? And maybe just flesh out a little bit more for the audience. When we use the definition managerial accounting, what do we mean by that? Um, in my world, managerial, managerial accounting means that it is designed for management. So. Um, ultimately, what I'm trying to accomplish is cost of production per phase of per phase of production. So, not only do I want to know the cost of production by um, enterprise or by crop, but I also want to know, say, for cattle, each phase of production. What does it cost to wean a calf? What does it cost to raise a replacement heifer? Um, what is your cost of gain on your stalkers? Things like that, and then to take that one step further, not just your direct costs, not just something that you can, you know, when you first write your check, you know exactly what it's for, um, but also those those allocable costs that are a little more difficult to um, just assign to a, a particular commodity. So helping people to um, understand that and then to accomplish that is is my mission. One other point, when you said, how do you um, how do you start into this management accounting? You also have to gauge your team and what they will actually do. So you, the best design system, the most detailed system is useless if people aren't going to actually do it. So, you know, the people that you have in place and that you intend to keep in place, you know, make sure that that uh, there is a level that they can handle. So you might have to back off of just a little bit of detail just to make sure that you get the most important information first. Does that make sense? Yep, definitely makes sense. I, 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 I wholeheartedly agree. Now, are you in your role of, of uh, providing managerial accounting or the accounting? Do you ever step up to more of the maybe the part-time controller or part-time CFO in that role? Or are you really strictly focused in on, on the management uh, accounting side? Well, no, it definitely stepping up into the controller position and, you know, uh, I would say getting into CFO level as well. Um, so CFO level would be, to me, more business planning, an, an entire business plan, which your financials would fit into, but it's only a piece of that plan. Yep. Um, some strategic thinking, some projections, that kind of thing. Controller work would be um, overseeing the bookkeeping and making sure that uh, everything is input correctly, everything reconciles, and also that the system is designed appropriately. Because 
you know, with anything, you're gonna, you're, it's gonna have, you're gonna have constant maintenance. So, you know, you're always gonna have problems come up one way or another, and you need to know how to handle that. So that controller would step in there and and kind of give advice on how to handle a particular situation, um, and also take the heat when things are not correct. <laughs> yeah, which sometimes happens. Uh, we, sure. we know that happens at times. Do you specialize in any one part of the ag industry, such as cattle versus crop, or is it just depends on what the client's needs are? It depends on what the client's needs are. I would say um, I cut my teeth on cattle. Um, that is cow country around here, but we also have some really, really large farms. Um, but that is what drove me or brought me into accounting in the first place. However, um, you know, the farmers tend to be a little more progressive on the financial management. And so I think that most of my work is with farmers so far. Okay. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So, well, I think for our listeners out there, we've probably talked about accounting enough for them. Uh, so let's go, let's go into a couple of questions I always try to ask uh, on, on our podcast. So uh, first one, did you have a mentor in, in this whole process? Absolutely. I would say three um, come to mind. The first is Sam Beavers. Um, he was my boss at AgriLife for many years, and we traveled a lot together and taught um, a lot of these management accounting courses. Um, he's been very well known in the cattle industry and does a lot of speaking, and now he's trying to retire, um, so he's <laughs> pushing some stuff my way, but the Next is Dr. Jim McGran. He also worked for AgriLife and Texas A&M. And he actually was the one that said, you know, well, you need to go back and get your CPA license. And at first I thought he was crazy, but I thought, okay, that sounds like a lot of fun. So, <laughs> and then, um, oh, and the funny thing about Dr. McGran is, oh my goodness, if anybody knows him, they know that he is hard-headed, and I just love him to pieces, but man, we used to argue, and, but never, never, ever anything um, rude. It was always about making a better process, so um, anyway, it was a lot of fun, and then my third mentor is Vendelyn Rosell. She is a CPA in Grapevine, and she has just been phenomenal to me, and helping me kind of feel my way through this new business venture. So those would be my three. Okay. Okay. And then sort of like me that maybe doesn't have a lot of time, spare time in the days, do you have any hobbies? <laughs> it, it's funny. If you had asked me that um, three years ago, I think you already know, but the listeners don't. I used to um, train barrel horses. So my life up until about a, few years ago just kind of revolved around horses and I thought I would never ever quit and here I am I have no horse so I have no hobby <laughs> <laughs> I do enjoy uh remodeling houses and and uh, so I would I guess that that would be considered a hobby at this point oh that's uh don't tell my wife that she has no desire to ever remodel or or do any work on a house ever again I think so <laughs> <laughs> but uh I, I don't blame her. I mean, we've, uh, well, we've gone from a older farmhouse to a, a, a house in Colorado, which it's a nice house. I mean, they spent a lot of money on remodeling it, uh, 
but within the first two months or three months of moving in, we've had to replace the hot water heater. We've had to replace the whole electrical panel and both of our furnaces went out. So, uh, um, and the inspection indicated, hey, hey that's gonna happen. We just didn't expect it to happen in the first three months. Right, oh uh, my that, goodness, that, yeah. That's okay. Well, a couple more questions and then uh, we'll be done with the podcast. Uh, first, uh, what keeps you up at night? Not usually anything. I'm a good sleeper. <laughs> <laughs> and now that my son is raised, um, you know, I, I, of course, you're always going to worry about your kids, you know. But um, for the most part, I, I sleep pretty good. I've really put some thought into that, but I, I can't really say anything keeps me up. <laughs> Well, good. I'm sort of the same way, although I must admit last night I just couldn't get to sleep fairly quickly, but it wasn't, I wasn't doing anything just every once in a while. You know, I just don't go to sleep fairly quickly. So other times I'm, I'm, I'm out in less than three minutes usually. So uh, right. it drives my wife crazy, I think. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and, for sure. and then my last question, and you've seen a lot of farm operations, so I, I think you can definitely be a, a good, uh, uh, person for this to make an answer of this is what's your definition of success in farming? I would have to say the operation that's pro proactive and not reactive. Um, the manager who's armed with information and not just data and then actually uses that information to make decisions um, so that he can position himself or herself in a way to take advantage of opportunities when they present themselves. Um, you know, I've had the wonderful opportunity to work with several of those people, and it, it just is really great to watch them work like that, where they can just, you know, an opportunity pops up and they are ready to go because they have prepared and they have set into motion a plan and then supported that plan with their actions. It's really neat to see. Well, good, good. I, I agree. Um, uh, well, I won't talk about uh, the things I tell my wife about driving, so we'll leave that alone. So uh, <laughs> I'll get in trouble. She'll listen to this podcast. So yeah. anything sure. else you think we should uh, go over today, uh, Brenda? I don't think so. I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to come on and visit with you. And um, hopefully we'll see you at the meeting this year in Illinois, the Farm Financial Standards Council meeting in Illinois. I will be there. And then we have our AICPA Ag Conferences in Boston about two weeks later. And I think I have four or five farm tax update classes I'm teaching around that same amount of time. So July and August is going to be very busy for me this year, but then it always is. So uh, no, again, <laughs> thanks a lot for joining us today, Brenda. And uh, we'll probably, maybe we'll, uh, We'll do another session. Maybe we'll pick a topic that uh, maybe inventories or something like that. You know, one of those really farm sexy accounting topics. And uh, oh, we'll do yeah. a deeper dive on that at some point. Excellent. That would be awesome. I'd appreciate it. Thank you so much, Paul. You're welcome. Again, this was the Farm CPA podcast presented by Top Producer. I am Paul Nefer, your host, signing off. Uh,